Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Hey, it's Kyle Meredith. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With, an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Today you get two for the price of one. It's a show about Genesis. Well, it's about the individuals in Genesis. Tony Banks, keyboardist, piano, keys man, all around. He's got a brand new solo record called Five. We get to talk about that. It's an orchestral record, but also about the possibility of a Genesis reunion. And then guitar man Steve Hackett's about his new album. It's called Wuthering Nights Live in Birmingham. And it's very big cast of players as well as what his thoughts are on a Genesis reunion. It's Kyle Meredith with Tony Banks and Steve Hackett of Genesis. First, we're going to start with Tony Banks and his new record, Five. Hi, Tony. How are you? I am very well, thank you. So we're talking about, uh, what is this, your, your third orchestral record, right? Do you prefer classical or orchestral? I call it orchestral. Classical, to me, conjures up sort of like, you know, Bach and Mozart, you know, so I don't feel I'm quite there yet, so... <laughs> Orchestral is good. I mean, three albums in, you're getting close to there, if nothing else, by default, I guess. Well, it means, yes, it means I have my own rack in record shops, you mean. No, um, yeah, it's, a, it's you know, I'm, I think you get better at these things as well, really. I had a lot to learn to begin with, and, and I sort of feel, you know, I get happier with each result. What is it that, that attracts you to this type of writing? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, for those who don't know, this is not the world you exactly started in here. 
I love lots of forms of music, really, and I, I do. I've always loved pop music, really. I mean, I was kind of, you know, when I was 13, 13 to 17, 18, I was kind of like, pop music was one of my kind of life, really. But I, I liked classical music both before and after, and, and I still love it, obviously. So I, I love the sound of an orchestra. I think it's a wonderful sound, and I think the, what you can do with orchestras, you can be a little bit more kind of um, expansive in terms of what you do, both as in composing and the kind of harmonies you can use and, and the length of pieces and structure. You're not, you know, pop music tends to be more structured, um, particularly if you're writing sort of pop songs, you know, hits and stuff, or close to hits or trying to write hits. Uh, but, you know, perhaps in the early days of Genesis, we wrote sort of uh, in our progressive days, we wrote some very expansive and long things. And I feel always felt very close to that. And in the world of the orchestral music, I, I feel I can do something more like that. And I really enjoy doing that. So when you're writing these, I mean, for some, it's just, you know, you, you kind of go where the movements take you, you know, the ones that feel good. And, and others, you're trying to tell a story through the movements. Does it work one way or the other with you? I think really music sort of tends to lead me from one place to another, really. I'm not particularly trying to tell a, an actual story, but a sort of a kind of musical, you know, the musical music should have a story of its own, if you like. It has a, its own momentum, takes you from one place to another. And for me, when it works well, you know, even though the changes can be quite abrupt or you have a, a change of mood or change of music, it should carry the listener through with it. And, you know, I, I just write what appeals to me, really. And I use my, my own taste as a sort of yardstick and hope that other people follow. Well, when you get a title like, uh, you, know, you know, the first listen on this, this record with Prelude to a Million Years, I mean, that's a great title. That, that sort of sets up a story if there ever would be one. Yeah, well, I agree. It's a, it's a bit of a borrowed title, I have to say. I, there's an American um, graphic artist called Lynn Ward who wrote a series of books, which are actually, well, they're drawn, but they're born, they're totally um, done with pictures, stories without words, if you like. And he uh, liked him very much. And one of his books was called Prelude to a Million Years. And I've always quite liked the title. And I thought because this opening piece on this record was very much what I would call a prelude, I thought I'll, I'll borrow this title. And uh, it conjures up, sort of has a nice, conjures up a nice image, I think, really. Of course, another one, another one of the big notes off of these songs is, is Renaissance, I read, actually comes from the Genesis days. Is that right? Or a version of it? Well, yes, it's not really from Genesis. It, I, something I wrote, in fact, basically in the late 90s, I wrote, I didn't, I wrote... The first one minute of the piece was something I found on an old tape that I'd written many years ago when I was trying to get involved in film music, part of a film demo tape sort of thing. And I thought it had a very strong atmosphere. I really liked the way it set it up. So it's just the, all it is is the first, the first part of it. It's a sort of drone section with a weird melody and then a little very simple melody that follows it. That kind of was, was what came originally. And everything else since then was written. All the rest of the song was written more recently. That was the last thing I wrote. So it's 90% new music, really, but it's just a little... Sometimes you need a spark to set you off in a particular direction, and, and that was what... Uh, that definitely sparked me in, in a way. It's something, a little thing. I'd heard it, in fact, a few times. I'd listened to it over the years, and I thought, I've got to do something with that, because I just feel it's really good, you know, so... Yeah. It's finally made its way out. Yeah, isn't that interesting? How long, though, something can just set dormant, you know, one of your ideas, your creative ideas, until you know, decades later, that it finally, like, Well, it's it happened. Is. I mean, it happened with, with bits and pieces over the years. I, mean, I had bits and pieces that ended up in, in songs like uh, Supper's Ready and then in, in the Lamless Down on Broadway that I'd written, you know, 10 years before. I mean, you know, you kind of, they do get, they do come in like that, really. And uh, even a song like A Trick of the Tale, which ended up in the title track of that album, I'd written about seven, eight years before that. You know, sometimes just their moment comes, if you like, and, and, and then you use it, you know. I do say, you got to say, you know, it's sort of walking between the two eras here, you know, to come from that proc and rock world, um, proc, the prog and rock world, uh, you know. <laughs> proc, it, I like proc. Yeah, proc. Proc, it's, 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 it's proc. Combination, why not? That's what we do yeah, these why days. Not? 
you know, and, and that's what you're talking about. You know, how, sort of dealing with both of those. I mean, does that music still hold the same same interest to you now as it did then? Well, I still enjoy the stuff we did. I mean, I, I you know, I, I must have I've always, I, I, I'm a fan of our music. You know, so when I hear it, and I think that's actually really good. You know, everything stands up, but most of the stuff I do. So I'm happy with it. I can't say, you know, do I listen to other people's music like that? Well, I don't think I ever did, really. So my main, the kind of music, my heart, I suppose, is in the 1960s, really, with groups like, obviously, the Beatles and the Beach Boys and Simon and Garfunkel and all the early Tamla Motown stuff. You know, I suppose that's Otis Redding. Those kind of things still move me, perhaps, more than in the world of rock, more than things that came later. Well, there's some, many things I've liked over the years, don't get me wrong, but it's just, uh, you know, rather than things that were more equivalent to us. But my, our own music, I mean, I, I was just rather amazed when I hear it back. I think, I'm amazed that we did it. <laughs> you know, I hear it and I think, God, is that actually, you know, do, how do we do that? And, um, and it, the way it comes out, and it actually sounds convincing, you know, because uh, it's a bit like even with this latest piece I've done, you know, you kind of, when you're writing at home, you do it, and when you finally get the whole thing together and you get the orchestra out and it's all playing it and it comes back and you think, God, that sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> Where did that come from, you know? And uh, so I'm always a bit surprised by this stuff, but, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's the way. Well, uh, with that in mind, of course, I would have to ask you the same question that I'm sure you get on every interview, but, you know, Phil Collins is back out there. He, he said he doesn't rule out ever creating with you all again, and, and I don't necessarily mean that in a reunion state, but do you see yourself working with those guys at any point in the future? Well, we never ruled it out. And, um, you know, as you say, I'm quite surprised. That, I mean, Phil is out there, which is fantastic, really, because, you know, a year or two ago, I would have thought he was going to be out there again. And he found a way to do it. He, okay, it involves quite a static performance, but his voice sounds great. And you know, the music still sounds fantastic and everything. So, yeah, I don't rule it out at all. Mike and I see each other all the time. We get on well, no problem. So it's never, never an impossibility. But we are all getting a bit long in the tooth. And uh, who knows, you know, whether, whether if we came back together, whether anything actually of any worthwhile nature would actually happen. <laughs> That's the question, isn't it? We could get in the same room and say, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Finally get there and find there's nothing to do. But, you know, I, I, we don't rule it out. And, um, you know, who knows? It'd be fun to try. But um, we've got to see. Phil's got to survive his tour. First of all, and then we'll see where we go. Have you caught any of his shows out there? Yeah, we saw saw him playing the Albert Hall, and uh, you know it was it was you know it was just funny seeing him sitting down all the time and everything. But the show was great, and the I mean the music, the rest of the the, the band is fantastic. You know they're, they're such good players, and and the show itself was very good too. The, the, all the production and everything, so it was kind of like you know it was great fun to see him and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes, I mean one could do a version of it. I mean, the trouble is he, he's our drummer. That's the problem. You must remember that. And he can't drum anymore. So that's, that's a slight problem. But his son did a very good job for him. His son, who's playing drums, is only 15, mm -hmm. 15 years old, I think. He might be 16. I don't know. But, I mean, he does extreme. He's, I mean, when he said he was going to use him, I thought this is going to be, you know, I'm not sure how this is going to work. But he's actually, he plays really well. And, you know, he, he sounds incredibly like Phil. And when he plays, you know, pieces like um, Take Me Home, which obviously has a very important sort of drum part that goes through the final section and everything. It sounds fantastic. I mean, that was great. You know, it was really, really exciting to see. See, it could just be like a, a Jason Bonham, uh, Led Zeppelin thing for you guys if it needed to be. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be. I mean, I don't know really. I mean, we haven't really have, certainly haven't got that far yet. Right. So uh, um, I think, you know, poor chap, he's got, a, he's, got a, he's got his own life to live. He doesn't want to sort of just be a, a Phil Collins clone right. for the rest of his life. Right. Um, but he's, he's a very talented player himself, so. Who knows? Yeah. Well, uh, again, I, I want to congratulate you on this record because because it's a it's a really fantastic thing and and just completely impressive. There are so many movements going on with this, and the music is really beautiful. Well, thanks a lot. That's great.
Yeah, Tony. Um, it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, hopefully, we'll, are, are you touring behind this one? Are you going to be doing this one live with the orchestras? I have no plans at the moment, but I don't rule it out. But, you know, I don't, what I'd really like is someone else to do it, actually, you know. <laughs> but um, uh, who knows? We, we'll see what happens in the future. That's the dream right there. Write the song and then let other people do it. Well, and that's then... what I always wanted to do. Right, from, I've been trying to do this for 50 years, and it's not worked yet. But someday maybe it'll happen, you know. Who knows? Oh, we did get, we had the Disturbed. The Disturbed did a version of uh, Land of Confusion, which was really good. Um, So, you know, why not? I mean, someone else could do something. Anyhow, there you go. There you go, man. Tony, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, great. All right, take care. Nice to talk to you. Okay, Bye. 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 So that's Tony Banks formerly of Genesis, talking about his new record, Five. His ex-bandmate, Steve Hackett, also has a new live album called Wuthering Nights Live in Birmingham. It's Kyle Meredith with Steve Hackett. Hi, Kyle. How are you doing? It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, nice to talk to you, too. Yeah. Nice to talk. Hey, congratulations on this live record. It is a whole lot of fun to listen to. Thank you. It's, um, it's doing well over here. It's gone to number one in the Amazon chart uh, in the UK, so I'm, uh, I'm very happy with that. It's all downhill from here, of course, you know, but there we go. <laughs> nice down- to get some good news. All downhill from here. That's right. <laughs> There's a concept behind this. Do you, want to, do you want to set up the concept before we get too far into it? Oh, sure. Well, you know, I was celebrating the 40th anniversary of Wind and Wuthering, which was released in 1977. So uh, 40th birthday was 2017. So off the Genesis set, we do quite a few numbers from that. I don't do the album in its entirety. I just do what I think is the strongest stuff from it, which means we do uh, an 11th Earl of Mar, One for the Vine, Blood on the Rooftop, uh, In That Quiet Earth, and the other one, Afterglow, plus another tune that was recorded at the same time in the same bunch of sessions that a number of us think should have been on the album. I know uh, 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 Tony Banks and I think it should have been on the album, and that's a track called Inside and Out, so we do that as well. It was only uh, issued on an EP, but it was Phil Collins' first complete lyric for the band back in the day and it uh, should have been on there. Writing the wrong, that's what you've done. Well, that's what I do, yeah, you know, it's an everything to a director's cut and a, a kind of act of restitution and restoration and all of that. Um, yeah, I have re- re-recorded a few things, usually live, but sometimes studio versions of uh, the Genesis things. In fact, uh, just recently, I guess worth breaking up, uh, you re-recorded the, uh, the big, uh, your big hit from GTR When the Heart Rules the Mind, right? That's right, yeah. I don't know if anyone's publicly heard that yet but uh, i have um uh, redone that yeah um i'll be playing it live on the forthcoming concerts so there'll be there'll be solo stuff there'll be um tiny bit of gtr and then there'll be the genesis stuff but um yeah i, I really recorded that I, I always liked the song and i always wanted to do my own version and um steve rothery joined me on it that's an uh, uh, additional guitar steve rothery of marillion he and I have been doing one or two things together recently, showing up on each other's things, and um, uh, we may well do a project together. So, yeah, Return to GTR, that's um, something that many people have asked if I was ever going to either play that stuff or, or reform the band, and, uh, you know, one tries. One tries at these reformations, but they're not, not always that, that easy. Uh, meanwhile, I always think the reason for doing any of those things is to celebrate the, uh, the music that people once liked, and they might like the new version. That'd be cool if uh, if that makes it out uh, at any certain point. Be interested to hear that. Well, I know a lot of people yeah. would be. <laughs> yeah, I think it will. I think they're going to release it as a single, I believe. And if for some reason that gets overlooked, I'll stick it on an album at some point, yeah. probably later in the year. Well, I, I know there's. It's always sort of a tightrope walk when you're revisiting a lot of this stuff and you know celebrating an album like Wind and Wuthering. 
you know, it's a classic record yeah. and adding a, I mean, yeah. when you try to get out of that, do you try to add a new stamp to it or, or are you just serving sort of the, uh, the memory uh, of it for the fans? Well, I think I, I, I think um, it was the last album I did with, with the band. I, I haven't re-recorded it as a, as a, as a studio album. I'm just celebrating the fact that it was its 40th birthday you know, every now and again, there'll be someone in, in the Genesis office who'll say, oh, you realize next year will be the 50th anniversary of anything that Genesis ever did, that she said, uh, but I don't think there'll be a ref- reformation, do you? And I said, well, you know, I'm always open to that. But meanwhile, you know, I, I, I like to honor and celebrate things uh, for various reasons. I spent a long time, decades, doing solo stuff and rather shorter time doing or celebrating the Genesis stuff. And I, I just tell people that in 1973, when we were unable to get a, a gig practically anywhere in the States, John Lennon gave an interview and said, and that was the time we were doing Selling England by the Pound, he said that Genesis was one of the bands he was listening to. So would that we could have capitalized on it at the time with Twitter and all the rest, but you know that sort of stuff wasn't around. So decades later, it comes to light that we were one of the bands that had John Lennon's ear for even for five seconds. I, I, I was pleased with that at the time, as the other Genesis guys were. Um, it did something for us, but you know it was only the ripple effect. I like to honor the stuff, the early stuff that, that often I find you know bandmates can often be quite dismissive of the early stuff. But I like to remind, and um, you know, there was an audience for that. Uh, those albums did sell very well, and it, but it's not all. It's not all about. It's not all about the numbers. It's about much more than that for me. Now, you mentioned, of course, you know, when, when things start to happening like that, with 50th anniversaries happening every single year at this point, and the yeah, there often yeah come up. There's often there's often this, you know, missed opportunities, and uh, I like to think that I like to pull focus and say, no, it doesn't have to be. A, a missed opportunity, but I'm not going to celebrate 50 years of Genesis. But you know, uh, there'll probably be. Yeah, I think something's going to happen with Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. God knows what a reissue, extra sleeve note. But you know, this is something that that people have had already. You know, so it's um, you know how much of a retread can there be? Meanwhile, I continue to record new stuff, mm-hmm. um, and, and um, I'm halfway through a new album. The last album I did, last studio album, had 20 people on it from all around the world. We had Israeli working with Palestinian, oh, you know, Azerbaijan uh, working with Iceland, working with Hungary, United Kingdom, United States, just to mention a few, 20 people from all around the world. So I celebrate that as well. I like to celebrate all of these eras, and um, I think it it did very well. Yeah, Yeah. it being so multicultural, I mean, it's a really good time to be to be doing that to be because it's wouldn't it be ridiculous if you only work with musicians from your own village and you know I remember Mel Brooks doing what was the sketch the 2000 year old man or whatever it was called and they asked him what was the first national anthem and he said yeah I think I can remember that something like um, uh, God bless all those in cave 13 and to hell with all the rest uh, that seems to be the way the, the politics is going again so um, while politics goes Neanderthal um, I want to go global, and I want to work with more and more people from around the world. I've been working with some Indian musicians recently. Uh, I'll be working with an orchestra with some British dates coming up soon, uh, and uh, but with an American conductor, British orchestra, American conductor, you see. So we go Anglo-American. We do that. We like to do, I think, where politics fails us. Music can do that. Music knows no borders. Neither, neither should it. So, so you, you, you have been taking that whole idea that you did in the studio with the Night Siren, and that is bleeding into 
into these these live shows as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do a little bit of that. I don't do too much. Um, uh, I don't want to be too didactic about it. I don't want to pound the table uh, about this. But I think that, you know, my own family were a refugee family coming out of Eastern Europe, coming out of Poland, um, surviving persecution. And they were allowed into the UK in the late 1800s. Not too much trouble, it seems, except at home. So I often say to people, if you know, that um, uh, otherwise I wouldn't be standing here, you know, for all those Brexiteers and those who are anti-foreigner and anti-refugee and all that. So um, you don't have to look too far back. I don't think we should be building walls. We should be tearing them down. We managed to tear down the Berlin Wall, didn't we? I remember seeing Paul Butterfield talking of politics and music. I remember seeing him playing in 1966 to a very small audience doing a stunning show that featured Mike Bloomfield and Elvin Bishop. But he had Howlin' Wolf's rhythm section, I believe. I believe it was Sam Lee and Jerome Arnold um, at that time. And uh, whilst there were race riots going on in Alabama, this was what was possible. You know, the most stunning blues show I'd ever seen. And I was listening to a lot of blues at that time. With this live record, you know, you, so you, as you're saying, you're kind of celebrating a classic album like Wind and Weathering, as well as playing the Night Siren. Did you, when when you construct, you know, a set list or anything, did you ever try to to sort of blend the two concepts together, or was it kind of an A and B side type uh, well, of thing? Well, yeah, I think that, you know, I I used to do that, and I, I would sometimes arrange something so that you know I might do just the guitar solo from first to fifth which would you know draw a big response and i, I was very grateful for that in, in a nice piece of music and and everything but i think what changed my mind about it was i was in sicily i was doing an acoustic show with julian colbeck and a guy showed up at the hotel and he had just about every solo album i'd ever done and i signed them all in the lobby for him and then he sheepishly had this other pile and he said, I don't know how you feel about signing these. And it was the Genesis album as if it was contraband. And he thought I was going to hit the roof. But I thought perhaps having signed those, it was time to reclaim the heritage and celebrate it. And that's what gave me the idea of re-recording many of those tunes, albeit with an enlarged team and, and an orchestra and guys who were from, ooh, you know, uh, like-minded bands of a similar era. So, you know, there were, over time, you know, I'd been working with guys from Yes, guys from King Crimson, um, guys from Jethro Tull. You know, there was all sorts of stuff that was going on, and and latterly, you know, guys from the ELP and, and all the rest. And, you know, the surviving members of all those bands, you know, we, we all know each other. So it's... I guess it's it's a time where, yes, I realize that to some degree, I think my job is, as Tony Banks said to me, he said, you know, you're preserving the heritage, aren't you? You know, I said, yes, I feel I'm, I'm doing that. I mean, I know that, you know, when they reformed as a, as a three-piece um, some years ago, I guess, you know, they were preserving their idea of, of the heritage, but I think it was 20 years since Genesis last recorded anything in the studio together but i can't answer for everyone else so um it's important to me to say you know it was it was important then and it's important now i i fought hard for those songs then i fight hard for them now and i do enlargements of them i you know often do this or i intend to often do it with orchestra mm -hmm. i will be doing six dates in the uk with orchestra 
so I'm kind of putting my money where my mouth is, saying I think this is um, this is important. It is worth asking. I mean, Tony and Mike have both said that they don't rule it out that you know they could do it, and obviously Phil is back out there now. Mm-hmm. Do you see the benefit of uh, and and would have an interest in going out with them another time, either touring well, or just recording? You know, I, I think you know that um, it's obvious to them that as I'm celebrating Genesis material, and I've said publicly I'm up for that. Um, you know, whether it's a reformation to do something like Lamb Life Down on Broadway, which they initially approached me about, um, I said, yes, of course, yeah, if you call me if you need me. But I think that, I think it's possible. And of course, you know, the, the company line is always, I wouldn't rule it out. But I think it's highly improbable. So I wouldn't rule it in either. Um, I'm, I'm open to it, but I'm, I'm, I think the, I, I wouldn't rule it out line is getting a little bit, um, you know, Perhaps the timeline on that one has run out. Well, I mean, that's uh, I was speaking to Tony recently, and he did allude to time maybe running out if you were to give it a go for another round. Yeah, time may indeed be running out. Um, but then I had an uncle who lived until he was 108, uh, so I, I have no intention of retiring. I seem to be getting busier. I'm doing more and more projects with, you know, I've shown up on tons and tons of albums of other people. Usually that's rock, but sometimes it, it's some version of jazz or it's classical. I try and embrace all the, all the genres. I've got this pan-genre affectation, if you like. Call it what you will. Call it collision. Call it fusion. Call it prog. Call it anything you like. But I just I, I adore music in all its forms, and um, I intend to do that until I drop uh, and I'm very happy to do that. You know, I think music is, is, is the nearest thing to the fountain of youth. Keeps me going, keeps me focused, keeps me happy. And my, my wife loves to travel. She's um, she's a fine historian. She, God, you know, she can write books on um, subjects where she needs no source material. She's always um, completing my education by taking me off to India, where I've been working with some musicians from there. And... Um, looking at temples and discovering the history and um, many things. She, she loves to travel. So in, in that sense, it's perfect for, for the two of us. Um, anywhere we visit, she might well say to me in, in England, a little village, she might say, oh, you, you do realize this was a um, stronghold, a Roman stronghold, and they had you know a garrison, a garrison 2,000 strong here, and she'll start reeling off the figures. This place called Brampton was once called Brantuna. So, yeah, it's, it's an education. Yeah. A... I'm trying to convince her to do to do a book about, about about Greek mythology because she doesn't need any source material for that. She lives it, absolutely lives it. I've been to Greece a few times with her and I know we'll go again. Um, I think that's her true passion. Well, there's, um, there's a very famous line, I think that, uh, well, at least I've read about, I'm assuming it's true, that when you were looking for a band in the early 70s, you, you put out the ad that said, looking for someone who's determined to strive beyond existing, existing stagnant musical forms and and if that's yep. true, it sounds like that's still the mantra. That's still the mantra. I think so. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, uh, if music can retain its element of surprise, whether it's a short song or if it's um, you know Wagner's Ring Cycle or the, or, or the progressive equivalent, I don't mind. I don't mind if it's supper's ready. See, it's ironic that 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 with Genesis in 1972, um, I wrote something that was the pre- preamble to Supper's Ready. So the shortest song that Genesis ever did, which was 90 seconds long, I wrote, and then there's and then there's Supper's Ready, the longest thing that we ever did. You know, ironically, side by side, 
and as I say, you know, it's not it's not the form, it's not it's not it's not the length of of the play, it's the quality of the acting, it's the quality of the playing, it's the quality of the writing. I think it does. I don't really mind how long it is or how how short it is. I'll apply that to. Uh to your career and I, I hope it's uh, so much much more longer because I'm enjoying everything that you're doing out there thank you thank you yeah I'm, I'm really having a great time out there right now it's been really good we're working with a new bass player uh, another Swedish guy called um, Jonas Reingold Jonas Reingold and he's an absolute virtuoso I've heard him playing Bach on the bass and then playing jazz, and then doing you know this this uh, Rickenbacker type stuff. You think, wow, you know this guy. He learned one of the most difficult tunes I've ever been involved with in two days flat. He just we just said, you know, we might throw this one in the set as you've got all the rest together. And and he and he did. He absolutely nailed it, which is amazing. I, I wish I had a photographic memory like that, um, but. Um, yeah, flying fingers, photographic memory. That's it. That's that's the best way. Well, again, uh, Weathering Nights has made for a really great list, and it's a it's a really fun live album. And congrats on uh, getting the, the number one slot on Amazon. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really so proud of that. So thank you. A lovely talking to you. You too. And uh, hope we get to talk again. Yeah. All right. Thank Take you. care, Steve. All the best. All right. You too. Bye. Thank you. Ciao. Thanks so much to Steve Hackett for giving the call. The new record is Weathering Nights live in Birmingham, and his ex bandmate. Tony Banks, that new record again is called Five. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to Consequence of Sounds at YouTube channel to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews. Or if you're listening on the podcast version, please do head over to iTunes or Podchaser and give us a rating and review. WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.